0: to read the scripture and to preach because this is one of the best stories that we get to tell together in worship you heard uh, ryan read uh, the story of the messiah's birth from the gospel of luke now i want you to hear the story of the beginning of the messiah from john's gospel i'm going to ask you to stand we're going to read it together the first 14 verses of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being, in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you have a seat? This last week for me has been about Christmas parties. The best thing about each of the parties that I went to was that I was fed by Chef Colin Bryant. (laughs) So I ate really well at all of the Christmas parties I went to, better than I usually do. The second best thing about the parties that I went to was the stories that I got to hear. At one party, I got to hear about the holiday dance at the junior school. ...from one of the chaperones. Uh, Strange, it sounded like a dance that I went to about 40 years ago. (laughs) When I heard that story, I thought, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The next party that I went to, the mood was different. It was a smaller group. I, I sat at the table across from a friend who was grieving. She was grieving a tragic death, and as she told her story... She wasn't the only person at the table who was crying. The third party I went to, a friend told a really funny story about something that happened at her job. And I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. I realized this week that it's good to go to parties. I also realized this week that it's good to hear stories. We all have stories. They tell us who we are. They remind us that we're not alone and that we have the resources to get through hard times. Rachel Naomi Remen is a wise physician and author who communicates the truth that she knows in narrative form when she writes. She says that we typically think of stories as entertainment. I know that's true for me. I try to read a novel every night before I go to bed, part of a novel. Um, I watch television most most days, and I see a lot of movies. Dr. Remen says that hearing or telling a story solely as entertainment is like using a diamond as a paperweight. Because there's so much more. There's so much more to a really good story. Dr. Remen has a story from her childhood about her grandparents that she never met. Her grandfather was a Jewish rabbi in Russia, and his people were often hungry. So her grandmother always was prepared to feed the family and the neighbors and any guests who stopped by. Her grandmother kept her icebox as full as possible she kept something in every nook and cranny in that ice box. One afternoon, she opened the ice box, and a few eggs fell out, and they broke on the kitchen floor, to which her grandmother said to the family and friends who were gathered there in her kitchen, Aha, today we will eat a sponge cake. (laughs) The family told and retold this story, which meant, Life is full of disappointments and some losses, but the art of living well involves creating things that nourish other people in spite of circumstances. When at age 15, Rachel Naomi Remen was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, and 50 years ago that meant multiple surgeries and an early death, It was a devastating diagnosis to get at age 15. Rachel knew that story well enough to understand what her mother meant when she said to her in front of the doctors, well, today we'll make a sponge cake. Stories may just be the most important thing we have. They have the ability to convey the deepest truths, to tell us who we are, to bind us together, to give us hope. Really good stories have no beginning and no end because they can be passed on and lived into by people who weren't originally there in the original setting of the story. I'm finding that stories convey meaning better than history does or even plain facts. I'm not certain if this is a result of my age or it is the very time that we live in, but both history and things that I know to be certain facts seem to be up for debate now. It's crazy, but it's happening more and more to me. I speak to another person of facts, and they immediately reject them and say, no, I don't buy it, not happened, not true. But but if we tell stories, if someone speaks a story to me, tells a story to me from their experience, it's as if we immediately dive deeper. We immediately go deeper to a shared meaning, to a greater truth. One dialogue that I'm sometimes drawn into, either at a dinner party or in in the confirmation class, goes something along the lines of, Aren't all religions the same? Don't they just all kind of go to the same place? Why does it matter anyway what religion you practice? Well, thank you for asking. Let me tell you why it matters. It matters because the stories are different. And the stories that we tell make a difference in who we are, how we live our lives. They form us, they sustain us, They even have the power to transform us by giving us a larger perspective than we currently have. It matters that our children hear stories of our faith and of our truth. And it matters that we tell those stories as adults to one another. Stories are not just for entertainment. The story that we tell at Christmas... The story that we tell tonight, that we heard tonight, may very well be one of the best that we have to offer. It is told by the different gospel writers in different ways as the beginning. The beginning of the new revelation of Jesus the Messiah. We are introduced to the Messiah in Luke's gospel as a helpless infant. The baby Messiah in Luke's story looks like the baby in your nativity set. Well, if in your nativity set, the baby, as Barbara Brown Taylor says, has a bruise on his head from a rough entry into the world, has a fleck of cow manure on his cheek, and the smell of Mary's milk on his breath, Because the Messiah baby in Luke's gospel is earthy. The Messiah baby in Luke's gospel is like you and like me. At the same time, Luke wants us to know that this baby is not like you and me. The baby is, as the angels sing, great joy for all people. The Messiah, the Lord, or as Isaiah put it, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Luke's story is that God becomes one of us. God reduces God's self to a helpless thing in diapers to love us. A story is told of a five-year-old, a five-year-old named Sharon, who was telling her own version of the Christmas story to her family that was gathered in the living room around her, and she ended with the words, and then the baby was born. Do you know who that baby was? That baby was God, she whispered. And then she leapt in the air, twirled around, and dove into the sofa where she covered her head with pillows. I think that's the proper response to the incarnation. Leap in the air, dive in the couch, cover your head with pillows. Because God has become one of us. Now John's story, John's story is equally mesmerizing and even a little more mystical. John's story in the gospel is framed with the word with. Being with another. What does it mean to call God Emmanuel, God with us? The very first thing that John tells us is that the Messiah, the Word, was with God in the beginning. And immediately this reminds us of another story, the first one in the Bible, where in the beginning the Creator speaks the world into being Our Messiah was with God, was there, was close in proximity from the beginning for the creation of all things. And so the Savior story that John has to tell us is the story of a new creation. The Word, with a capital W, has the power to create again. A significant difference between the story that Ryan read and the one that you and I read together is that the story that Ryan read had a cast of thousands. So there was Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. There's shepherds and angels. There's the emperor Augustus and all the world that goes to be registered. But John only mentions three. John only mentions three. There's the creator God. There's the Messiah Jesus And did you catch who the third one was? Because it's kind of a trick question. The third one is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the third. The Messiah was with John the Baptist. He was a witness. He was to testify to the light. So what this tells us is that our Savior was born at a specific time to a specific people who practiced a particular religion. He's tied to a tradition that values God's truth over diplomacy. And this looks like trouble to me. It looks like trouble to me for him. And it looks like trouble to me for those who follow him. So if the word is with God and the word is with John the Baptist, the last with that John wants us to know is that the word is with us. The word is with you and me. So you can do it, leap in the air, dive in the pillows. The text really says this, that God is with you and God is with me. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, lived among us. A more literal translation would be that he pitched his tent or he tabernacled with us. Uh, The Hebrew scholars uh, that I'm close to would say he sukked, he pitched his tent right there. In Exodus, when the Israelites find themselves free, but in the wilderness, the Lord says to Moses, make a tabernacle and I will dwell among you. The road to freedom for slaves involves making a place for God and God's glory and God dwelling with them. The most significant characteristic of this place is that the Israelites that, that they're instructed to build is that it's temporary. It's a tent. So God is on the go, and the people of God are on the go as well. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It means that the Messiah has taken up temporary residence, temporary housing, a tent to be with you, to be with me, and to guide us to complete freedom. It's become a tradition in my house. (laughs) The baby Jesus goes missing from the nativity set the week before Christmas. My children like to hide him from me. They say it's because he hasn't been born yet. But maybe you should tell them, if you see my children tonight, Maybe you should tell them that it would be more theologically accurate not to hide baby Jesus for me where I can't find him, but to put him in a little tent, to put him in a little hotel, to remind me that the Messiah is poised and ready to go with me wherever I travel. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you are ruler of the universe. You are a wonderful author, and your favorite topic is freedom. It's a topic that we can't hear too much about. So we bless and thank you that as you allow us to write our life story with you, you continue to reveal our value and our beauty. You love us well, Lord. We welcome you this night and every night. Amen.